0: You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2212 South Broad Street. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 and 7 p.m. Hi, I'm Trisha, and I am delighted to be with you tonight, um, visiting from North Broad. And... Um, I know that you're in a season about spiritual disciplines. And so mostly I just wanted to tell a story about um, my own life and how I have um, been influenced by the discipline of being rooted here in this time and place as a part of Circle of Hope um, in in covenant love here and in my marriage. Um, So the two for me are, are... um, pretty intimately connected. So I first connected to Circle when I moved to Philadelphia um, right after I began my teaching career. I um, was commuting in and out of the city every day, and by January I decided that I could not do that anymore, um, and I moved into Philly. Um, and that was a challenging and formative time for me, um, and um, It was during that time right after I moved um, to Philadelphia that I started going to a cell, which was really helpful for me because up until then, the the only thing that I had been doing since I started teaching was working. I was spending all of my time doing that. Um, And God has given me a lot of really important gifts um, through my relationship with you all and and being connected here. So I wanna just share a little bit. I'm hoping that it might encourage you and I'm hoping that um, it might offer you an opportunity to to reflect about what God has given you. Um, So I'm gonna share both about um, my marriage and how I've been influenced um, here. So I have, let's see, this is me and my husband, Adam. And um, here are the things that I want to talk about. Sorry, I'm not good with slides, so I just want to get them out of the way. That's the real truth. So I want to talk about um, dialogue and learning, um, carrying our sorrows together and sharing our joys, and how um, being a part of community has helped me to expand my sense of family um, so, one of the things that I really love about um, my husband, uh, aside from the fact that I love his sense of humor, is that um, he's really easy to talk to. Like, I really, we talk about everything, and I really like that for a lot of reasons. Um, but one is that I really, um, I rely on conversation to process my thoughts and feelings and ideas. and so. Having someone who is easy to talk to and will listen to me is really helpful. And um, I really appreciate having someone around that I can talk to about pretty much anything. Um, And so it isn't surprising that that is also one of the things that I love about being a part of the community here is that it feels like a place, not just feels like, it is and has been for me a place where I can talk about anything. Um, And um, that's been great um healthy conversations about faith and politics, schools, community, um, hurt, anger conflict all have have happened and have been really important part of shaping my sense of what it means to be um, a Christian and a part of life here in Philadelphia. Those conversations have helped to form and found a mutual sense of trust and... Um, commitment to one another, which I think is, um, completely necessary for a sense of covenanted love together. And, um, and I, I think that all like sounds really great too. Like, it's just nice to think that like, um, we should be kind to one another and listen to one another and be thoughtful and the practice of it, especially for me, um, because I am, um, by nature reactive. Um, and it is, it is a discipline and hard work for me to um, to listen and to respond based on what I hear and not what I feel. And both my intimate relationships here at Circle of Hope and my marriage have been good places to work that out. Um, communicating clearly um, to be understood and to understand and not just to be intelligent or to win an argument or... Um, to have all of the correct information have been really a a work in progress and still are a work in progress for me. And I really believe that um, a safe place for vulnerability is critical to this work that we're doing about building up a sense of connectedness and community and the body of Christ. So a posture for real dialogue combined with openness and understanding helped me and helped my my faith and my marriage. And I've long struggled with um, with with Christianity that like has all of the answers to all of the questions, or a sense of um, policy and um, rules, really. So um, I can be really tempted into that idea that there is. Um, An expectation, a standard, something that I have to live up to or into or I'm required to be. Not because, even because I think so or because I want to be, but just because that is the expectation. Um, So I struggle a lot with all those kinds of things. And I like to um, control and have everything neat. And so it would be really easy for me to apply that to all of my relationships and to try to make it work the way I think it should, instead of actually relating. And um, that would be I, that would be horrible. I, I actually think for me, and it would definitely be terrible for my family. The other thing that has um, that it has meant that that breaking out of those um, patterns and um, expectations is that it's allowed a flexibility into my marriage that has been really necessary because um, I anticipate that we'll do a lot more changing, but even just in the amount of time that Adam and I have already been married, there's been a lot of flexibility and changing needed. Like, we're not the same two people who first met or got married, and we are not the same two people who first had one child or two children or the job that we originally had or the house that we originally lived in or any of all of those things have changed. And um, our understandings of ourself as we exist in the world has changed. And so the gift of um, relating and listening to one another that has really been a gift that I've received here has been so, so important to me. And the other, then the second one I want to talk about is carrying one another's burdens. And I have like a, a pretty personal story I want to share um, with you. But I, Galatians 6 2 says this carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And um, I really think for me, that has been an experience that I have had as a part of the body here. And I, I have really. Um, the more time that I relate with people and get to know folks, the more, the more that it's been my experience The people really all are carrying some kind of burden with them. And, um, in cell each week, we get the opportunity in some way or another, usually to like meet face to face and know each other personally and share a little part of ourselves that might help us to know one another and be known and loved and and experience a little bit of that sharing of burdens and joys and cell has certainly been a place for me to be known and loved and throughout my time in cell and and with people um, one of the things that happened is um, that i had two very uh dramatic pregnancies and Um, My kids both were born at 30 weeks, which for a normal pregnancy is about 40 weeks, so about 10 weeks early. And um, so this is a picture of my son, Luca, the day after he was born. He was about 2 pounds, 7 ounces, and um, this over his face is breathing support, and he's all hooked up to every different kind of monitor. Nora, not to be outdone, also came right around 30 weeks, and this is her her hand up over her forehead in dramatic fashion. With, with each kid, that um, that pregnancy that ended at 30 weeks unexpectedly and um, then with a NICU stay following it was, was not just dramatic and unexpected and uncontrollable, um, but it, it was a very raw place for me to be to have everything that I thought I knew about what was going to happen in this time in my life what was totally thrown out the window. I did not know anything anymore about how this was going to work and what was going to happen. With Nora in particular, she was born at 30 weeks, but at about 25 weeks, um, I was sent to the hospital. Twenty... Usually we think of, like, 23, 24 weeks as um, the point of viability. So that would be, like, they would do some kind of intervention to try to save the baby because the baby is capable of being saved outside the body at that point. Before then, there's no... Classic medical thinking is that there's no intervention to do before 23 weeks. So just two weeks past that, and... I was really upset, and I really did not want to have to not only do another preemie, but do one that would be even more dramatic. When I went into the hospital with Luca, um, before he was born, the NICU doctor, who was a perfectly lovely doctor, it turns out, after this, but he, like, came into my room and just, like, very matter-of-factly, like, Went through a whole list of all of the like potential complications of having a baby at 30 weeks. And he started with, At 30 weeks, we don't typically worry about survival. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, good. <laughs> I wasn't either until just when you said that. Um, so it I so I had I knew from that like, oh at twenty five weeks we're talking about survival like this this is too too much to think about. this is too much to bear. I don't know what to do. and um, I said before that I. Maybe I didn't. I don't vulnerability is not easy for me. Like part of having everything controlled and neat is that then I don't have to need anything from anyone because I have got it all under control. I like to be independent. I like it my way. And I I knew more than I knew anything else that this was not something that I could have my way anymore and it was not something that I can control. And also, after the first preemie NICU baby, I felt a lot of shame about that because there is a lot of, um, there is so much, I don't know, expectation is the best word, but around like motherhood and womanhood and. That's all, that's, a lot of it is wrapped up in having a baby and this, like, expectation. And I really felt like a failure because I could, I could not carry a baby to term. I could not do the, like, one thing that being a female was supposed to provide for my family. And... um so here we go again, right? Not only can I not do this the first time, which, by the way, the whole reason that it felt OK to have a second baby is because the doctors told me it is so unlikely that this will happen again. Almost definitely not. There's no reason to think that it will. And it's unlikely in the first place. And the likelihood of it happening more than one time is even more rare than that. So. These are, this is my one-in-a-million-odds. I've played them already. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, so I'm in the hospital, 25 weeks. My regular doctor comes to see me, and he says, you know, wow, I've heard it's been a really dramatic day, and um, I just wanted to check in on you, and how are you, and <laughs> I guess we're going to be here until the baby comes. But yeah, that's what they said. And and then he said something that, that I remember kind of like this. Um, the best we can do at this point is hope. Like, he's the doctor, right? And that's like the best suggestion he's got for me is like, you can hope for the best possible outcome. And so I thought, this probably is the best possible thing he could say to me because he actually gave me something to do. He gave me a place to put my energy and my ideas, which is like, I am going to go to the people who I know can point me towards hope and can, can help me move toward hope together, which requires me to like take down this idea that I have about having it all together and being all together and just say, I'm a mess, and I need you. Will you pray with us? Will you go with us? Will you be with us? Um, and the people around me did. People came to visit, and um, I, like, I remember that so clearly. I remember the people who drove me to the hospital. I remember the people who came to visit. I remember all the tiniest t- details felt like such a big deal to me. Um, so I don't know what happened. It's very unexplainable. but. You all showed up, and you prayed, and despite the fact that I was not going home until the baby was born a week later, I was discharged because everything looked great, and I went home, and I waited it out for about the next four weeks or so, at which point it became very clear that the baby was indeed coming earlier than expected, but still at 30 weeks, which felt, not just felt, was was the thing that I had prayed for. God, could we please just make it to 30 weeks? I can do that. And the other gift that God gave me during that time, besides being present to me in, in my experience and, um, and in you all, is that I, I got the gift of, of understanding that I didn't need to live into this idea about what it meant to be a good mother. I could I could be free from that because it wasn't, I was never going to carry baby to term and that was okay. It was going to be okay. God was present with me and he's with me and my family and my kids and in my life outside of that. And my meaning as a person wasn't all wrapped up in that. So unlikely... Things did and do happen, and God was with me, and um, and and in that bearing burdens, and then sharing the joys of like a, a baby who comes home, and people to be together with. I I really learned a new thing about God and what it means to be together as the body. So that's that. That was a, a big lesson and a big gift. And while I would never want to have to do it again, and I don't intend to ever do it again, um, I, God, God really revealed God's self to me in that time. The third thing, oh wait, I have a picture of us now because I don't want to leave you with this. Here they are. This is the big guy. He's seven. And this is Nora. Um, She's four. Adam again. Um, the other thing um, that I'm working with is this idea that, like, I have an expanded sense of family, which I learned in part through all of that time and in part just from existing um, and wanting to be a part of what God is doing in all of you because it's been such a gift to me. So, while I think that we generally have this idea that um, our nuclear family or, um, yeah, the family that we create together is is of the utmost importance. Having a partner and having a, a life together in a home is, is like the dream or something, the American dream, maybe. Our, our marriage and our family life has really benefited from the opportunity to do more than just create a home and do all of the family things. So I'm really grateful for the chance to raise my kids in a place where we can be a part of a group of people together and where we can still um, serve on teams and be at the Sunday meetings together and go into the next thing that God is doing, where I can find a way to be a cell leader and um, serve in other capacities as a coordinator, and um, even to speak on a Sunday night. I wanted to bring my family with me to South Broad, and Adam is on the children's team at North Broad and was scheduled for tonight. So he was like, I don't want to rearrange again, because we've already done that once recently. I am going to go to North Broad with the kids, and you'll just go to South Broad. It's fine. Okay, <laughs> that's the way we're doing it, you know? Like, there's freedom to just, like, do a, a, our own things and to not have to be together and in the same place. That's a gift, too. So, I, you know, I don't think that, like, this is the end of my story or the happily ever after is the end of my story or, um, you know, whatever neat little bow I might have liked to put on the package before the house that's just right, or the kids who are dressed just right, which they definitely never are, Um, or me being (laughs) dressed just right, like none of that is happening. My next door neighbor, um, we share a a side walkway and our doors open right next, like into each other kind of, you know? Um, And her side garden along the path is gorgeous like every flower blooms so that you can see it and it's cleared out in front and it just goes from the front of her house all the way to the back and it's perfect everything is perfect she's lived there for 40 years and she has placed every plant exactly where she wants it to be where it gets just the right sunlight and and, like, I don't have time for that. My garden right across from hers is a hot mess. Whatever comes up is what comes up. And that means there are blooms, but there are also a lot of weeds. And I've, it would it would be so, so, so easy for me out of guilt or a feeling of expectation or out of worry for being compared to hers because it is right next to you. Like, you can't help. People come over and they're like, God, your neighbor's gardens are beautiful. I know. It's so great. <laughs> Which means they also have noted the weeds all along my side. <laughs> and it would be so easy for me to be like, I ha- like, I have to fix this. I have to do something about it because she, it matters a lot to her and it's it looks so terrible in comparison and I want to just like do the thing. And I would love that. It would be really nice to also have a really lovely garden. And I also do feel great about the fact that there's even a flower blooming. I have the most lovely purple hydrangeas that come up every year, even though I haven't done, well, I did cut them back last year. And apparently, the color purple that I have is very rare, so you should all come and see them. But I think that we all have those things, that, that um, expectation, that uh, comparison, that place that, that like, gets at us a little bit. That's like, oh, I think maybe I should do this. I think maybe I should take care of that, or I should learn to do it all because that people are noticing that I'm not. And I'm, I'm learning to just let the garden go. People are noticing that it is not the end of the world, that I have weeds in my garden. They are there. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to learn to go with that, too. That it, I have things that I am doing and that I care about and I want to keep going with. And um, the garden is just not that thing for me. Not right now. Maybe someday. My neighbor is retired, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> She's got a lot of time to pull the weeds, a little bit, every day. Anyway, this space has been meaningful to me to exist in, to spend time on, to cultivate. And um, it's been good for me to keep tending to this space with you all, to belong to the body of Christ with a group of people who keep telling me that I'm more than just the tiny little thing the expectations that people put on me, the thing that seems all like nice and shiny. Um, so that that's like a little bit of my story. And I would love to answer your questions or to hear more about yours. Oh, wait, one more thing. See, I told you I'm going to slide. There you go, my last two questions that I want you to think about. Uh, where are you seeing God move in your life? And how do you experience the transformative gift of life together in the body? So those are like some of the things that were sitting with me and and I wondered if you would want to sit with them too. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.